Hi there, Talking Foosball listeners, Nick Viltong here. Before we start the episode, we do have a disclaimer. During the course of my chat with German football journalist Thilo Neumann from Der Spiegel, we talk about VfB Stuttgart Executive Committee member Rainer Mutschler. During the episode, we state that Mutschler is still in office. However, shortly after we finished recording the episode, Mutschler stepped in fact down from his position on the Executive Committee, stating in his resignation, quote, I hereby step down from my position on the executive committee, effective immediately. Team spirit and fair play are the pillars of our sport, both on and off the pitch. That foundation wasn't a given anymore during my work on the VfB executive committee over the last few months. Because of those experiences, I've decided to step away from my position. Yesterday's decisions for the nominations by the club's advisory board have strengthened me in that decision. By stepping away from my office, I'm also contributing to the new beginnings at VfB Stuttgart. So, when you listen to this upcoming episode, keep in mind that the information about Rainer Mutschler still being in office is dated and that Mutschler, in fact, has stepped down from his position at the club. Welcome to Talking Fußball Extra, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. VfB Stuttgart are playing a brilliant season in the Bundesliga, but alas, the club has made some headlines for matters off the pitch. In November of last year, it was reported that the club shared membership information with a third party in order to turn critical fans into supporters of the club's plan to restructure itself back in 2017. My name is Nick Wiltung, and here to discuss what was going on back then and what has happened since is Spiegel journalist Thilo Neumann, who's taking a closer look at this story. Welcome to the show, Thilo. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's unpack this ever so slightly because it's it's a complicated story. Um, so what basically happened was that VfB Stuttgart's membership meeting in 2017 was an important milestone for the club. As the club structure was changed, out went the old-fashioned model of one club, which is called, I think, EV in German. In came the limited liability company model, which saw the club, you know, putting its professional division up as a, you know, a stock company. Um, the decision wasn't popular among all fans, but the higher ups at the club were keen for the membership meeting to pass the resolution, and they succeeded in doing so. However, last November it came to light that the club took some rather controversial steps trying to assure that this resolution would pass. Can you tell our listeners what some of the club officials did, or supposedly did, in order to assure that the club's professional division would indeed become a limited liability company? What? At least I can try, <laughs> because as you said, it's it's a very complicated matter. And I mean, first of all, there was no like court ruling or no admission of guilt on part of the club. So we are still talking about allegations here, even though the evidence and the documents that we have obtained strongly support these allegations. Okay, so so what are we talking about here? As you, as you said, in 2017, Stuttgart had maybe like the most important member meeting of the club's existence because uh, the members voted on the question whether to adopt uh, LLC model or remain within this like classic club system. And what we know is that there were certain high-ranking officials of the club, such as the club's president at the time, Wolfgang Dietrich, who were highly in favor of the LSC model and openly promoted it. 
but it was also clear that you only have this one shot at it, right? So if, if the members reject the petition to outsource the professional football division, then this, de this decision would impact the fate of the club for years to come. Um, and what you need to know is in, in order to approve this LSC model, they needed 75% of the votes. So that's a pretty high hurdle to climb. So what did the club do in order to promote the LSC model? Well, I mean, what you could do is like sending out letters to, to the members, maybe asking for, for their support or having commercial banners on the website or something like that. But what we know is the following. In, in 2016 and 2017, um, so before the member meeting, the club sent out emails uh, to an external service provider, so to a third party, containing tens of thousands of data of their own members. So these were lists containing names, mail addresses, and in some cases, phone numbers, birth dates, and, and so on. And to be clear, they, they gave them away without informing their members of this move, um, which is actually still to be discussed if this is a violation of the law or only a highly morally questionable move by the club. But anyway, so they, they gave away the data. And why? Why did they give it away? As, as far as the allegations go, they were intended for so-called guerrilla marketing, which means that the idea was to influence the members like under the radar so that the ones who are against the LLC model would be influenced towards a more positive approach regarding the LLC without them even realizing that they are more or less manipulate, manipulated into thinking that. Um, so, so how do you do that? Well, the, the, this external service provider was the owner of a Facebook page that reported on VfB Stuttgart. And as far as an internal presentation from that time that was shared within certain ranks of the club goes, the idea was to regulate and manage the tone of this page over a longer period of time and have like a, let's say, like a dramatic composition, so to say, that would culminate in the result that many club members would tend towards voting in favor of the LSC, even, even though they were originally critical of them. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that sort of thinking and that sort of approach sounds vaguely familiar to some of our British listeners who have heard the name Dominic Cummings. It, it sounds sort of a bit like of Cam Cambridge Analytica, that, that sort of in the same vein, maybe not as, not as tight, not you know, not that much at stake. We're only talking about a football club, not Brexit here. But anyways, so once that story broke, uh, the club did its best to do damage control in public and VfB president Klaus Vogt uh, said out in public that he wanted the scandal to be investigated and he wanted to do so in a... He wanted to do that in a transparent way. In that process, though, Vogt uh, rubbed some of his colleagues the wrong way as he hired a company by the name of Essicon to take a thorough look into the matter. It has been claimed that Fork took this matter into his own hands. Is that why there is friction between Fork and some of the other board members right now? Well, I mean, as far as we know, several of Fork's colleagues have been accused by the ESECON report to have been part of the Datenaffäre, how we call it in German, the data affair. For example, you have the executive committee of the club, which is headed by Vogt as the president, but there are two other members, and Bernd Geiser and Rainer Mutschler, uh, these are the names. And Mutschler, for example, is accused of being in the middle of this whole scandal, because in 2016, 2017, he was head of a working group within the club that prepared the LLC decision. 
And Isicon found several hints that Mutschler was, was um, involved in this scheme to give away data of thousands of members. But still, he is now sitting in the executive committee that can, for example, decide on whether to publish the Isicon findings or not. And well, I mean, it's, it's quite clear if, if, your, if your name gets mentioned in that report in an unpleasant way, it is, it is clear that you don't want to have it published. And, and this is true for several other high ranking officials of, of Stuttgart as well. Um, you have members, for example, of the LSC management board, which is headed by Thomas Hitzelsberger, uh, who are also mentioned in the report. And Vogt, on the other hand, I mean, Vogt came into the club in 2019 as a president. Uh, so after all this took place, um, so he, he has nothing to do with the data affair in 2016, 2017. And Vogt always said, as, as you mentioned, that he wants a transparent and independent investigation into the allegations. But he can also understand that there are people within the organization that want to keep it like all under the carpet, as you say in German. So they want to keep a low profile. So that's why there is friction. Mm. I mean, they, they one of some of the club board members actually suggested that uh, a law firm that is closely connected to Daimler should take a look at those allegations, if I understood your article correctly. That's so, correct, yeah. so that that was one of their thinking that you know have have somebody close close to the club or you know in the, in the orbit of the club take a look and sort of try maybe try to downplay is is what they were trying to do. Uh, you can only speculate on that, I suppose. But you mentioned Thomas Hitzelsberger there. Uh, he too wasn't at the club when this decision was made. Now, he and Vogt really went toe-to-toe -to -toe in the German press shortly before New Year. Now, given that Hitzelsberger wasn't involved in what was going on back in 2017, why is there such a massive conflict between him, the president of the club, And, you know, why is he siding with a number of LSC members who seem to, you know, be mentioned quite a lot in that Essicon report? Well, that's a very delicate question. It's very difficult to answer because because it's not 100% clear why Hitzelsberger is behaving like he does. I mean, fact is that it was very surprising for many Stuttgart supporters that he openly attacked Vogt in, in, in such a massive way. I mean, he wrote a, a four-page letter Uh, in which he attacked Vogt in, in more or less any way possible. And he implied more or less that Vogt is like the wrong person in the wrong position and that for the sake of the club, you need to get rid of him. I mean, the, the explanation for that was quite shaky. I mean, Hitzesberger claimed, for example, that the, the costs for the ESECON investigations were running out of proportion and were threatening the, the club's liquidity. And that Vogt is the one who is to blame for that because he mandated ESECON without further consulting with other committees first. That, that is what Hitzesberger is saying. So, I mean, if, if you talk about uh, a football comparison, he's like blaming Vogt to have selfishly started a solo run from one goal to the other against the will and the opinion of his teammates, even though uh, he could have passed the ball. <laughs> I mean, and, and the reaction was quite astonishing because Hitzesberger got huge backlash for that from supporters and club members who said, what in the world are you saying? What in the world are you doing? And what in the world are you saying? Because Vogt is just trying to uh, shed light into, into, in, in, into the dark, so to say. Yeah. And we should also be maybe talk a little bit about Vogt and his position with the fans uh, at the moment, because, you know, right now it seems like the LLC members don't necessarily have a lot of backing among the popular support, but Vogt does. Isn't, isn't that correctly? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. I mean, there was a declaration of 
I think more than a hundred fan clubs. Uh, I think it's one one hundred twenty or one hundred forty, I guess, uh, fan clubs uh, who came out in support of Vogt and said that that he's the right person. And actually, everyone who was involved in the data scandal in 2016, 2017 uh, should leave the club. And uh, that Vogt is the right man in in the right position, and not as Hitzesberger claims, the wrong person in the wrong position. Yeah, now let's take a closer look at some of the findings that you published in your articles uh, from from that Essekon report. Um, so they Essekon looked into what was going on back in 2017. Uh, can you sort of highlight some of some of the 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 most vital findings that they made in their report? I mean to to, to cut that short, basically they conclude that the that the transfer of members data to an external service provider took place. And that is very likely, these are their words, very likely that this data was intended to be used for guerrilla marketing. And actually, they are, they are talking about an attempted fraud that took place there. One of, one of the findings from the Essigan uh, investigation was that um, there was some issues with the voting machines during the membership meeting back in 2017. Uh -huh. Well, um, that's not 100% correct because it's not part of the report. But during the investigation by Isicon, um, there was at least one member who came forward uh, to the investigators and said that there were, let's say, like irregularities um, at the 2017 um, uh, member meeting. And they said because every every member that came there, it was held in the, in the Stuttgart Stadium and about 14,000 people attended it. Because, I mean, as, I, as we said, it was like the most important decision um, in the history of the club. Um, of these 14,000, 12,000 people were eligible to vote. Uh, and every member who was eligible to vote had like a electronic voting machine. And um, so you can, you can assume that they look like, like a very basic TV remote control, right? You have like some buttons with numbers on it or next to it. And for example, they have then the decision to say, well, um, you can vote either for or against the LSE model. One is if you oppose it, and two is if you are in favor of it. And um, they said that um, when your vote is counted, a green light will come up at the machine. And But this one member said, okay, um, we had the impression that our machines didn't work. And actually, there, there are quite some other members also back in 2017 who claimed that. And uh, it is still not it is still not sure um, um, how many how many of these machines if if these machines all worked and and um, if the machines didn't work why they didn't work. Hmm. So definitely some some more matters to look into then. Um, uh, well, you mentioned in your article that Thomas Hitzelsberger and some of the other board members were questioned by Essicon. Um for for their investigation uh, how did they corroborate with uh, Essicon on on this matter yeah that's another question so Essicon says in the report that the integrity of the investigation's results cannot be guaranteed because there were several interferences with the investigation by Stuttgart officials uh, for example Geiser and Mutschler so folks colleagues on the club's executive committee are said to have repeatedly attempted to delay the investigation by trying to trim down Isicon's mandate. Because there was a dis discussion within the club if 
ESECON should just collect the evidence regarding the allegations, or if they should also make like a legal evaluation of their results. And Geisler and Muschler strongly opposed this, and so in, in their role as members of the executive committee delayed the investigation. Um, and ESECON lists several other examples, examples uh, which illustrate the impact that certain club officials wanted to have on the investigation, or at least um, that was the impression by ESECON. Because ESECON also claims that, for example, the LLC management board had a lasting impact on the investigation. For example, they say that Hitzelsberger proactively informed Stuttgart's employees that it was up to them to decide whether they want to talk to ESECON investigators or not. But this, for example, is part of a controversy because Hitzelsberger is strongly opposing Isikon's view here. He is saying that, well, yes, I did that, but I only did it because it was in accordance with Isikon. So I just did my duty. That is what Hitzelsberger is saying. Or another point, I mean, eight people, um, eight people or eight employees of Stuttgart who were interrogated by Isikon had the same lawyer with them in their interrogation. So... Isikon claims there is a possibility that information from one interrogation could have influenced the other interrogations if this information was shared beforehand. A third point is, in, in order to be able um, to, to interrogate an employee, you have to release him or her from the um, confidentiality obligations, right? And Isikon claims that in at least two cases regarding two of the main suspects in the data affair, the LLC management board refused to extend this release to a certain matter that Isikon says would have been necessary. So you see that there are several claims and it's and it's quite complicated to say the least. Well, in one of your articles, you mentioned the fact that Cologne-based law firm Zeitz have taken a closer look into the matter as well. What are their findings? Well, actually, th their findings are quite devastating. Um, so they made a legal evaluation and uh, the results are the following. So they conclude that it was illegal to transfer members' data to an external service provider and also to use it for guerrilla marketing. And that this was intended for, and, and this these are their words, malicious fraud. Um, and they also say that the voting process at the 2017 member meeting should be voidable um, and that all officials who are still in charge but who were part of this fraud could face consequences. For example, they say that it was reasonable to discuss a dismissal of Rainer Mutschler as member of the club's executive committee and also to terminate the contracts of two members of the LSE management board, Stefan Heim and Jochen Röttgermann, who as far as the findings of Isikon go, knew of the guerrilla marketing idea, idea back then. And what we see now, I mean, we're talking on Monday Monday morning now, uh, just two days ago, the club has announced that Heim and Rotkermann were terminated. Uh, so these seem to be like the first consequences of this whole affair. Mm. So now that we've sort of untangled this mess, uh, the whole thing has basically turned into, where does that leave VfB Stuttgart? Could there be any more consequences in the aftermath of this affair? Well, for me, it's, it's, it's really difficult to answer this question. Um, but, I mean, let's see. I mean, the investigators are talking about fraud, okay? Fraud against your own members. Um, for me personally, that's n not easy to comprehend. <laughs> and if that, if that turns out to be true, and I mean, the evidence is pretty clear that certainly 
anyone who was involved in that should take consequences. Uh, that is, f for me personally, that is an absolute first. And then you have to see what can you do to to regain the trust of your supporters and members as a club. I mean, it, it certainly didn't help that, that several officials attacked the only person who from the start said that he wants a transparent investigation, and that is Klaus Vogt. I mean, until yesterday, so until Sunday, uh, it was unclear if Vogt will get nominated to run for a second term of, of presidency at the next member meeting, uh, which will take place at the end of March, um, which, which actually is the next topic um, that is highly debatable because of Corona, you need to have a virtual member meeting. And many of the supporters are saying, no, let's wait until the, the circumstances are better and we can have a member meeting in person at the stadium because we don't trust you anymore. We don't trust that if we if we have a virtual meeting that every, everything uh, will, will run accordingly and, and, for example, the voting process will not be manipulated. And as of now, for example, Rainer Mutschler, um, who I mentioned now several times, is still a member of the, of the club's executive committee. Still making decisions. Still making decisions, and I think the problem—the problem can only be solved with uh, maximum transparency and, and strict consequences. And uh, what we have right now is like we are right in the middle of it. Um, they took first consequences, or the, the first consequences have been made. Um, but I think for for their supporters, for for the Shukat supporters, it's it's not nearly enough. Um, to to solve this problem well so this is going to stay with us for for some time to come you could assume well maybe <laughs> it, it depends it depends on how the club is now acting and 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 actually i mean now Vogt is is running for a second term uh but as you mentioned also i mean there's this huge or the, there was this huge conflict with Hitzelsberger, and um for me, it's really hard to imagine uh, what the what the future of the club would look like if you have two guys at the top who can't stand each other. Um, and I don't know if it's only, I mean, it's not only the, the guys who were involved in this data affair, but the guys who were involved in this data affair are also like protected by other guys in the club. So the... I think you need to, to change the culture within the club. And I don't know if there's only this, this one guy, Klaus Vogt, can, uh, can do that uh, all by himself. I don't know. So uh, I think it will be very difficult and very interesting and maybe entertaining to see from, from the outside uh, uh, where the club is heading. <laughs> Indeed. Um, well, Tilo, it's been, it's been an absolute delight having you on and getting some uh, some clarity about this mess. I mean, we've been uh, we've been wrapping our hands and hats and uh, you know trying to get our head, heads around this story because it's as, as we said, it's a rather complicated mess. Uh, yeah, I mean, cl clarity is a, is a huge word in, <laughs> in this regard because I mean it's 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 really complicated, as you say. But uh, yeah, I, I hope I. I I could help a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think you absolutely did. Uh, before I let you go, where can our listeners find your work and where can they connect with you on social media? Yeah, so so uh, I'm an editor for, for, for the Spiegel and actually so um, you can you can uh, click on spiegel.de or, or buy our magazine on the newsstand and at least in German-speaking countries. Um, 
And uh, on social media, you can find me um, most frequently on Twitter, um, which is hashtag, uh, no, not the hashtag, but the, the, the handle is uh, Thilo Neumann in one word, T-H-I-L-O-N-E-U-M-A-N-N. Yeah, and that's uh, more or less where you can find the, the latest information regarding Stuttgart. <laughs> Excellent. Well, this is it for another edition of Talking Football Extra, the Bundesliga show. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Nick Wiltang. You can follow me on Twitter at Normusings. Make sure to follow the pod on Twitter at Talking Football. Subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating on iTunes. And as always, tell a friend about us. Make sure to check out our Patreon page for loads and loads of extra content. James and Flo will be back with another edition of their fantasy pod later in the week. Until then, it's goodbye for now. Call it as a new